the Lord has led us by His Spirit to consider the right and only true worldview, which is taught by the Bible, which the Lord Jesus Christ followed and His apostles, and we want to follow that worldview as well. We have looked at Genesis chapter 1 and seen those words just mentioned, in the beginning, God. And so the first axiom is God is, then God gave Scripture, God created all things, Scripture is absolute truth, Jehovah is the only God, God created all things for Himself, and He rules over all. And those are the seven axioms we've covered so far. A worldview is how we view the world. A worldview is how we view life. It's how we make decisions. It's what we think about. It is how we determine origins. What is the origin of man? By creation, which is axiom number three. God created all things. The why. Why am I here? Why did this happen in the world? We can answer all the why questions with a proper worldview. We can study biology differently than others study biology because we understand biology at a deeper level, an original level, that they do not. How do we read the news? Whether it's in paper or on the Internet. How do we look at the news? The news of any kind. By our worldview. How we view marriage. What's the goal of marriage? What's the most important aspect of marriage is impacted by our worldview. Politics. How we vote. What we think about the shenanigans that go on in the name of politics. How we view it all. How God raises up some and puts down others. It's all by our worldview that we look at politics. How we worship. Our work ethic. National differences in the world. Between nations. We know that God has raised up one nation and put down other nations. It's part of our worldview. The depravity of man. Violence everywhere, including in the animal kingdom. The violence that is there. We understand where it came from. We understand that it's going to end. Because we have a proper biblical worldview. We know the future of all things. We know the corruption that, is, that affects all things. We know why tools rust. We know why bodies decay. We know it all because of our worldview and the Bible that God's given us. We know that in the end, God wins. Amen. Satan and man loses. And Jesus Christ is given the universe and we with Him. And so we have a worldview that is set by the Bible. And we want to move to axiom number 8. Axiom number 8. To make it very simple... Satan is real. I'll have two about the devil in, in a row. Satan is real, is axiom number eight. He is a real spirit with diabolical power for evil. God created him. God controls him. God uses him. God will cast him into the lake of fire. And we with the Lord Jesus Christ will do that. Any other worldview that ignores the devil or jokes about him proves their ignorance of the world. A worldview better understand the world. And the devil is called in the Bible the prince of this world 
and he's called the God of this world. So if you've missed the prince and the God of this world, you don't know anything about the world. So give up. Come to us and we'll give you answers about the real worldview. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as an opening passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians and the fourth chapter and verse 4. Let's read verse 3 as well since it introduces the value of 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil has a blinding influence in the world, and that will be primarily my next axiom, Right now, I just want to establish that when we look at the universe and we think about the world and we think about politics, nations, ourselves, our children, everything, there is a diabolical spirit, as far as we know, maybe the greatest created spirit that God made, the devil himself. He is God of this world and prince of this world, but he's defeated. Remember how we started this morning in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12 and verse 31, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Satan would be cast out of heaven, no longer able to visit heaven like he did in Job chapters 1 and 2 because the Lord Jesus Christ would die on the cross covering all our sins so there was nothing to lay against the charge of God's elect. So there was no, there was no job for him to do in heaven. He couldn't accuse the brethren any further because the brethren were perfect, perfected by our older brother, the Lord Jesus. In chapter 14 and verse 30 of that same gospel of John, Jesus said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world could find no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ and was not going to even slow him down from what he was going to do for his father. The apostles were sent forth with a ministry to reprove the world, and they did. They went everywhere and told the world they were wrong. They suffered greatly for it. But part of their ministry was John 16, 11, that they were to reprove the world of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The devil had already met part of his judgment, and he will be completely and finally judged soon. Satan is real. The devil is real. Don't ever tell a joke about the devil. You are being a fool and a worshiper of him when you tell a joke about the devil. You are messing with someone above your pay grade when you stoop yourself to the level of a fool. Don't make jokes about the devil. He doesn't carry a pitchfork and he doesn't have pointed ears and he's not in a red pajama suit. He's the devil. The world likes to make fun of the devil. Like we Christians have invented some diabolical enemy so that we can, by a created enemy, we can justify our religion. Oh no, we haven't imagined anything nor created ourselves. God created him. And so let's make sure that as part of our worldview, we recognize this fact about the universe 
that there is another spirit out there, and he is a foe. And he hates God, and he hates truth, and he hates us, but that's axiom number nine. Let's continue with Satan is real. How many chapters into the Bible did it take for us to meet him? Two chapters, because we met him in the first verse of chapter three. Do we find an end to Satan in the Bible? No, we, yes, we do, but we still find him active in Revelation chapter 20, two chapters from the end. And he's active in between. And there's 1,189 chapters. And the only four chapters that you can rule out are the first two and the last two. But even in the first two, he just hadn't met our parents yet. He had already defied God. And in the last two, he's suffering in the lake of fire. The devil is real. Think about the Garden of Eden and what he did there with our first parents. Think about what he did in the next generation with Cain and Abel. Think about the burial of Moses' body. The Bible tells us that there was a war for that body. And Michael the archangel rebuked the devil, wanting to get his hands on that body, because if he could have had that body and put it in a sarcophagus, he would have had an object for Israel to worship, and they would have done it. I mean, they did keep the brass serpent around for 800 years. What do you think they would have done with Moses' body? But the Bible tells us events of history that history books don't tell us. There was war for the body of Moses. Michael rebuked the devil. The Lord rebuked thee in that way. The Bible tells us so. David, look at 2 Chronicles and the 21st chapter. I want you to think about, I'm just going through the scriptures right now. Eden is Genesis 3. Cain is Genesis 4. Moses is the book of Jude. David is right here. I want 1 Chronicles instead of 2 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, the man after God's own heart. It tells us this in the first verse of chapter 21. 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1, Satan stood up against Israel. Israel's the church of God. Can Satan stand up against us? Yes, Satan can stand up against us. But there's one greater than him with us and in us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Can you do things sometimes because God lets Satan have you for a short period of time? Can you think of someone in the New Testament by the name of Peter? But Jesus Christ prayed for him that he would be converted and delivered from the devil. We think of Job, and we have two chapters of the devil standing up against Job and accusing Job to God. We see Gabriel withstood in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel prayed that the Lord would give him understanding of the closing chapter of Israel and Gabriel came to him, but Gabriel was hindered by the princes of Persia and Grecia. And when you see those word princes, the prince of Grecia and the prince of Persia, that's why they're called principalities and powers, because they have authority and rank and dominion in the angelic realm of fallen spirits. And so Gabriel identified them as fellow princes, 
but they were fallen princes withstanding him and giving him difficulty and costing him time, though he is Gabriel. We see the Lord Jesus Christ as soon as he was baptized, faced with the devil in the, in the temptation in the wilderness. We see Satan taking control of Judas Iscariot and leading to his betrayal of our Lord. We see Ananias in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Satan is real. Calvary and Pentecost changed some things, but it only made him angrier. Changed some things. There's nothing to charge us with before God. That's a change. Pentecost gave us the Spirit inside us. That's a change. We have power. We can resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We can chase the devil, but we don't chase him with jokes, and we don't chase him with charismatic language. We chase him by resisting him, meaning we don't put up with his temptations. We don't submit to his temptations. We say, I'm not going to do that. And we do what's right and righteous. And God gives us the strength for that. Look at Revelation chapter 12, if you want to see an angry devil. Revelation chapter 12. We saw it in John chapter 12 that Jesus said, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Well, he wasn't cast out of the world, so he was cast out of somewhere. Where was he cast out? He was cast out of heaven. He could no longer go there. When you go back to Job chapter 1, there was a time when the sons of God, there, that expression means the angels, were coming before God to tell him what they'd been up to. And Satan was found among them, coming to tell him. And the Lord said, where have you been? And he said, I've been going to and fro in the earth. Well, he can't do that anymore. He's restricted to the earth. But I want you to see in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 7, there was war in heaven. These are real wars. These are wars that have real consequences. Not compared to the sandbox of the earth. The wars on earth are little sandbox fights in comparison to these wars. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. He was cast out. And we see in verse 12 a loud voice announcing the outcome of this big war. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens. Everyone in heaven could rejoice, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And so what happened after the cross of Calvary and after Pentecost? First of all, ten pagan Roman persecutions of our brethren. Pagan persecutions in the Colosseum persecutions, fed to lions and tigers, Roman persecution. And then it was papal persecution for the next 1,260 years, nearly 1,600 years of persecution by pagan Rome and then papal Rome. Are you thankful to live in the 20th century, the 21st century, and to be on this side 
of that per, those persecutions. We come over to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, Satan is bound from deceiving the whole earth. He can raise up persecution against us, but while he was raising up persecution against us, think about what that implies. Was he persecuting in the whole earth? Was he persecuting in all kinds of nations? Who was he persecuting? Because the gospel was going forth to Gentiles, and Gentiles like Agnes were believing it. And they were standing against the false doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. So the gospel was going forth and having free course in the earth. Men were no longer blinded in superstition by whole nations and whole continents like they had been. Because he's bound. He's been bound. That's why the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. Jesus told his apostles about their preaching. And so we come to verse 7 of Revelation chapter 20, and the devil is loosed from his binding of deceiving the nations. See, it tells us in verse 3 that he's in the bottomless pit so that he can't deceive the nations anymore. He can do everything else that we know him to do, except he can't be in heaven and accuse us to God. And it says in verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, we understand that thousand years to now be 2,000 years long. We understand the thousand years to be symbolic. Just like it says in the Bible that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And even though there are 117,400 hills in the world, we know that God owns the cattle on all of them. Please. The book of Revelation is symbolic. And it's now 2,000 years long that the devil has not deceived the nations to unite together, and the Gospels had free course, and there are converts and churches in all nations of the earth. But it says in verse 7, When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, two nations of that time, barbarians, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compass the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, that's us, Zion, of the Most High God, Jerusalem which is above, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Amen and amen, and then the judgment sat. This is what we believe about the future, and it's part of our worldview. I just explained to you a great deal about our worldview. Why has the world changed and why is America even a nominal Christian nation? Because of what Jesus said in John chapter 12 and what he said in Matthew 16 about binding that devil from deceiving the nations. No matter who your ancestors are, they worshiped everything but Jehovah God. Our loving God carefully warned us about spiritual warfare. He told us, that there are things that we can do that give the devil leverage in our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 2. I hope that every single one of you are getting along very well, very peacefully, very kindly with everyone else in this room. If you are not, you have given the devil leverage in your life. If you are not, you are not ready for the Lord's Supper. This is how loving our Father is. This is part of our worldview. 
that there are certain sins, and I'm not talking about using a Ouija board. I'm not talking about that Ouija board in a pastry that they give away at Chinese restaurants. I'm not talking about horoscopes at the moment. I'm talking about this. 2 Corinthians 2, in verse 6, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. This is the fornicator from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that the Corinthian church had excluded. He is now sufficiently punished in an apostolic opinion. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, because it was the church. It was the church against the fornicator. Verse 7, so that contrarywise, you should have a new way of treating him. Ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan wants us to bite and devour and kill each other. And this is how he does it. We don't forgive like we should. We should just forgive. There's no reason not to forgive. You say, I want to get my pound of flesh. You're a wicked person. You're talking just like the devil. It's why Cain killed Abel. Look at this warning. We are not ignorant of his devices. What are his devices? Anger, hatred, murder. The biting and devouring. So we forgive and we forgive and we forgive again and we love to forgive. And we forget and we forget again and we love to forget. And so that it doesn't eat us and we do this by giving Satan leverage lest Satan should get an advantage. Jesus has defeated the devil but we undo some of his finished work when we want to fight against one another. Because Jesus died to teach us to love each other. Jesus died to take away the sins of hatred and murder. Jesus taught us that to hate someone or to be angry with a brother without a real justifiable cause, you are guilty of the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. And so this is a warning from God to us. The same thing is taught in Ephesians chapter 4. Lord, show me how much I should teach and how little I should teach on each of these axioms. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show it to you again. Our spirits love to fight. And we want to hate that spirit in us. And we want to put it down and crush it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Wherefore put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. I want you to see the close relationship of verse 26 to verse 27. Be ye angry, and sin not. If you can't control yourself, and you get angry, then don't sin with it. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't go to bed angry with your spouse. 
Don't go to bed angry with your children. Don't go to bed angry with your parents. Don't go to bed angry with your brethren. Don't go to bed angry. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. I wonder why it's right there. We know why it's right there. Because he was a murderer from the beginning. This is just an axiom. But it is so important for us to live this way. Free from malice. Free, free from envy. Free from grudges. Free from bitterness. Or we are not living by the right one and only worldview. Because the right worldview says there is a devil and he is walking about seeking whom he may devour and he's looking for people angry at other people. Upset and bitter and holding grudges against someone else. We give him an advantage. Oh Lord, we thank you. His role in politics is in both testaments. Since I've already referred to him being active in the Greek Empire and the Persian Empire, they didn't occur in that order. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 13 and verse 20, they were involved in the politics of the Persians and the Grecians. We're told. Are we told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the devil is behind the Roman Catholic Church? That the power the Roman Catholic Church had was by Satan? 2 Thessalonians 2.9 Satan is in the Roman Catholic Church. In Revelation chapter 12, I just showed you that Satan was cast out of heaven. And when he was cast out of heaven, he tried to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cast a flood after her. What happened to the church of Jesus Christ during those 1,600 years? It wasn't just spiritual warfare. It was physical warfare of those nations, the secular power being used by the Roman Catholic Church to persecute. Satan is real. We do not deny the power of devils nor sorcery. Do not think that you are an expert about devil possession. You may never have seen it. Other nations in the world have more of it. You say, well, why doesn't America have more? America's wicked. What else does America have that other nations don't have as much of? The preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when it's in somewhat error, it's preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I shared an email with you not too long ago, and some of you were troubled due to ignorance. You weren't troubled by intelligence, and you weren't troubled by thinking you know the Bible. Well, you thought you did, but you don't understand that the devil can be more active in other places in a different way, because in, in other places, they look at some of those activities as being spiritual of a good sort. We think they're all nuts when they do the crazy stuff, even at a rock concert. But let's remember, we don't deny the power of the devil. We don't deny the power of sorcery and witchcraft. We avoid them with resentment. We avoid them with resentment. We hate those things. Some of you wonder why I'm so extreme. I hate fortune cookies. I hate fortune cookies. I hate watching a children open the little plastic sack and then break that little pastry to get some little note that is telling them about their future. Because my dad taught me that. 
when I was a young boy because I came out of a, a family of devil worshipers. So I hate all that stuff. And yes, I'll usually end up laughing with you about it, but I do not understand why you even want to open it. You say, well, we're just going to make fun of the devil, or we're going to make fun of the Chinese, or we're going to make fun of Chinese restaurants, or we're going to make fun of fortune cookies. I just want you to remember that what happened in Job chapters 1 and 2 wasn't a joke. There was a real whirlwind, real whirlwind, and it really did kill his ten children. I want you to know that his disease was real. I want you to know that Jesus healed people that were under the bondage of Satan, and their disease was not something that medical science could resolve or could even identify. It was caused by devils. Axiom number nine. If you want more on number eight, go to our website and type in power of darkness and listen for a while. It's a long series from some time ago. Axiom number nine, Satan hates God, he hates truth, and he hates us. I hope you feel wanted this morning. I hope you feel in good company. And Brother Chris, you read the perfect verses from John chapter 15, beginning at verse 18, about if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And if they don't hate you, then uh, we're not connected. Because if we're connected, they're going to hate us both. Number nine, Satan hates God, truth, and us. Satan ruined our race and ruined our world with a question and a terrible lie in the Garden of Eden. His question was, Yea, hath God said? Yea, hath God said? Are you sure that's what God said? Are you sure that's the will of God? Yea, hath God said? To our mother Eve... What happened after that question? He took her down. She took Adam down. And we have a corrupt world today. We get three deaths thrown at us because of that event. And our whole world is in corruption. He's lied ever since. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 44. Satan ruined our race. And world with a question and a terrible lie. Thou shalt not surely die. He inserted one three-letter word. God had said, thou shalt surely die. He said, thou shalt not surely die. We surely died because that's what God had said. Eve believed the lie. She's more easily deceived. That is why men should be the spiritual leaders of their homes. John chapter 8 and verse 44 Jesus told the Jews of his generation, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's the father of lying in the universe. So there is a diabolical spirit made far greater than us and greater than the other angels that is committed to lies on earth against the word of God. We should remember that. That is part of our worldview is to remember this about the devil. If you cannot believe some of the deception you read about in the news or that you might meet in certain people that do not even want to consider what we understand to be truth, 
Believe it. The devil is deceiving his own, and he's good at it. He's good at selling lies. And so there's a great deal of lies in our world. He is subtle about Bible revision and misapplication. So all you have to do is think, wow, we do have a lot of differing Bibles today, and we certainly have a great deal of differing doctrine today. The devil's behind it all. It's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It's not just by the depravity of man. It's by the instrumentality of the devil himself. He's the father of lies. Do not joust with windmills. Do not get distracted by fighting the fights of this world. They will take you off the real fight. The real fight is to stand up in Ephesians chapter 6 in the whole armor of God. God has given us a divine library. He has also given us a divine armory. So remember all the pieces of armor. In the divine library, there are 66 volumes. In the divine armory, there are pieces of armor to put on. And they're in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, let me just remind you, this is our fight. The right worldview does not get distracted with other fights. Our fight is not with City Hall. Our fight is not with 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Our fight is right here, and it's not flesh and blood. As soon as you can see it, as soon as it's got a birth certificate, it's not our fight. Agnes didn't fight. She just said, kill me. Because I'm not going to change my doctrine, and would you quit bothering me with all these questions? Just get it over with. Because she understood her fight. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, this is the last chapter of Ephesians. This is Paul's church. This is apostolic doctrine. This is the word of the Lord to you and me right now. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Is that verse true and possible? Can we be strong in the power of God's might? Be strong in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There it is. If you can see it, it's not our enemy. In the real sense of the fight that we're involved in. If it's got a birth certificate, it's not our real enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We have a spiritual war to fight. That's why these are two axioms. Satan is real, and Satan hates you. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a carnal Christian, he likes you. He appreciates you. Because you're doing exactly what he wants you to do. Be a carnal Christian. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not our fight. But we do wrestle against principalities, against powers. See, there's that word, principalities. A principality is a domain that is run, operated, ruled by a prince. Principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The high places are not the United Nations. The high places are the high places in the angelic realm. The, spirit, the rulers of the darkness of this world are not sorcerers or witches or wizards. Those little peons that are working for the devil 
We are talking about satanic warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Wherefore, verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God. Go into the divine armory and get the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day when Satan comes after you and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So let us be impeccably honest and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let us always do what is right as defined by the word of God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let us understand salvation's peace and let us be at peace with all men. All men. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The things that we've already covered. God is. God created all things. God created the devil. God rules the devil. God restricts the devil. If we believe all those things by faith, then when he throws fiery darts at us of any kind, we can quench them with the shield of faith. I'm sorry, this is what I believe. And sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Soul, why art thou cast down? Oh, my soul, I'm not going to be cast down anymore because the Bible tells me that God shall yet be the hope of my countenance. And so David does that for us in Psalm 42 and 43. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. Believe that you're saved. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our worldview right here in print. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If you do those things in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, which I very quickly and very briefly summarized, then you will be able to stand in the power of His might and you'll be able to be strong and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now don't joust with windmills. You're going to get distracted and the devil will take you down. The devil has moved men from the beginning to evil, like Cain killing Abel. Look at Psalm 106 to see the church of God under his persecution. In Psalm 106, in your Bibles, verse 36 of Psalm 106, they serve their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. Devils were behind that false religion of the, of the idol worship that the Israelites faced. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what it says about us. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, this is what we used to do. All saved people once did this. Wherein time past, Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There is power in the air around us. In this stuff. There is power outside of our vision. The power that you can see is no power at all. The U.S. military has no power. China and Russia have no power. It is the power that is in the air, and it is spirit power. And one of them can take out 185,000 battle-hardened, experienced Assyrian soldiers in one night, no problem, and leave them all dead carcasses in the morning. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, he is an invisible spirit. 
and he works in the children of disobedience. How? He feeds and fans their lusts. Now, if you don't lust for drunkenness, okay, we'll give you a star. But do you get angry? Are you impatient? Do you like to fight? Do you hold grudges? Do you like to be critical and negative? We're not going to give you a star. Look at all the wiles of the devil and see where he gets us. And we're able to stand if we'll stand in his might. The prince of the power of the air that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We thought like them, we talked like them, we held grudges like them, and we want to stop doing all of that. He's given us the power to stop doing all of that. Lord, help us to take a stand. His effect is irrational. So sometimes you can see irrational behavior in the world. Or it's religious. He's very religious. The Lord Jesus Christ addressed the synagogue of the Jews as the synagogue of Satan. Twice. Revelation 2.9 and 3.9. When Jesus addressed the Jews in John 8.44, he was consistent there with what he said in Revelation 2 and 3. The synagogue of Satan. Ye are of your father the devil, he told them. He sought to destroy the children of God over and over that we can see in the Bible. But Jesus has defeated him. Look at John chapter, Romans chapter 8. Excuse me, Romans chapter 8. There's a whole lot of persecution that is listed here in this, chapter, in this passage right here. Beginning at verse 35, 35 and 36 are all about persecution that leads to death. It mentions the sword, which is an instrument for taking your life in the last part of verse 35. But it says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. The same one that it is said of him, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Axiom number 10, death and corruption by sin have infected the whole universe, the whole world that we understand. If number four is true, scripture is absolute truth, then we are told why everything is corrupting. And I, reached, I recently preached this to you on two occasions since the first of the year. At the very beginning of the year, I preached to you Catastrophe and Cure, where we went through Genesis chapter 3 and saw all the effects of sin from, as taught in Genesis chapter 3. Recently, I taught to you from Romans chapter 5 about the two Adams, and so we covered those things again. So I'm not going to cover them right now, except to just briefly mention them like this. Eden was perfect, but Adam and Eve ruined Eden's best for us. Eve fell to Satan, Adam fell to Eve, and it's the same way today. Sin caused three deaths. Physical death, spiritual, not in this, in this order. Spiritual death, physical death, eternal death. Because of what we chose in Eden. Disease is because of what we did in Eden. Dysfunction in relationships is what we did in Eden. Divorce. Any unscriptural or ungodly divorce is because of Eden. Drunkenness 
is because of Eden. Yeah, I'm playing with D's for a second. Death is because of Eden. Atrophy is because of Eden, of the physical body. Entropy of the physical universe. Corrosion of your tools. All of it is because of Eden. So that number 10 is death and corruption are by sin. So you cannot get rid of them by any other means than getting rid of sin. And we cannot get rid of sin, but the Lord Jesus Christ will get rid of sin and restore this universe to what it could be, should be, and forever will be. And it will have no corruption in it, or death in it, or sickness, or crying, or pain. You know what the good word of God tells us. This is no parable. Genesis 3 is no parable, and it's more than doctrine. These are the facts of all life and all creatures. Death and corruption affect them all. Man cannot live longer than 73 on average because there is planned obsolescence, decay, and death built into every single one of our cells. Don't you ever read a document that says that they can extend life expectancy because they cannot, because it is, death is caused by sin. Do you know how much reading that could save you? Do you know how many illusions that could save you? Do you know how many vitamins that could save you? Do you know how much that could save you? Nothing works in the universe as originally offered. Corruption and violence affect it all. Man's plans to extend life or improve function will certainly lose to sin and judgment. And so it's number 10. Number 11, man hates truth for lies. Man hates truth for lies. Axiom number 11. Eden caused a love of lies and death over creation, providence, and nature. Though Adam knew that God was the creator of all, though Adam knew that God had providentially blessed him in the Garden of Eden with a wife and a wonderful world and a wonderful little job that he had, he chose lies and death, and men still do it. Men love lies, and they love death, and they hate truth. Preaching truth is going to be rejected. Look at John 8.45. Look at John 8.45. This is just a, a, a horrible verse if you're thinking about evangelistic prospects. John 8.45. Because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Now that verse follows John 8.44 where they were of their father the devil, and he was a liar from the beginning. But look what Jesus said. Because I tell you the truth. If I told you a lie, ye would believe me. But because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. That is the way it is. That's the way it is in every sphere of knowledge. Lies proliferate, and lies are believed. Because man chose it that way. So when we see lies proliferating, and when we see men believing those lies, we understand it's a consequence of what we chose in the Garden of Eden. We do not wonder why there is evil in the world, since men hate truth and love lies, and they hate life and love death. We do not wonder why there is evil. We wonder why there is not more evil. If you think about what goes on in the world, there should be more evil. These little tiny events that they sensationalize to you in the news, you know, two people killed, three injured in the hospital, 20 people killed, 30 injured in the hospital, 200 people killed, 300 injured in the hospital. These little tiny events that don't even measure are statistically insignificant. 
2,000 that are killed, 3,000 that are in the hospital, 20,000 that are killed. Let's go on up. Come on. 20 million that are killed, 30 million that were injured in World War II. We're still not up to the totals of that war. It's still insignificant to other deaths that are going on around us. Why aren't there more worse events since men are all given over to the devil and he's a murderer from the beginning? It's because of Psalm 76.10. Jesus Christ is constantly restraining him. Or there would be more mayhem and violence and destruction and death on earth. It doesn't matter that God has given men a conscience, has given them scripture, and given them the spirit. They still hate in this world. And the Bible tells us so. Men follow the devil rather than God to their own pain and shame. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is an interesting verse. We've already read Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 about our state of death and trespasses and sins and following the prince of the power of the air. We have already read that verse. But look at this description of us Gentiles. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. This is true stuff. This is true doctrine. This is truly an axiom that we need. Number 11. Men hate truth. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, their puffed up thinking, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Is that happening right now in America? That they are pursuing sexual uncleanness with greediness? That they've given themselves over unto lasciviousness? That they are past feeling? They no longer recognize what nature teaches us. Their understanding has been darkened. They're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. And they have blind hearts. This is Gentiles. And it's because of what we chose in the Garden of Eden. Man chose lies. So when man rejects truth, God sends him lies. You already know 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that because they received not the love of the truth, God would send them strong delusion to believe a lie. That 50-year-old illiterate woman who was martyred in the 16th century in England understood the lies of the Roman Catholic Church. But the rest of the Roman Catholic Church doesn't see it, no matter how well they're educated, because God has given them strong delusion to believe a lie like God is a cracker. Or a cracker is God. Remember, Exodus, Ezekiel, chapter 20. God told Ezekiel, when a man comes to you with an idol already in his heart and asks for an answer from you, I'm going to give you a lie to give to that man because that man does not deserve truth. He is coming to you already made up that he has an idol in his heart and a stumbling block of iniquity in his mind. Now, I happen to love this God. Most people don't like a God being preached like that, but I love him. If you want to play with my God, he plays with you, and he who laughs last laughs best. And my God loves to laugh because Psalm 2 tells me so. 
He'll have them in strong derision, it tells me. Even if truth is presented well, they will reject or kill you. Jesus said, though a man should come back from the dead, it would do no good. Jesus said in John 8, where we've already been twice, He said, if I tell you the truth, and you love the truth, why are you trying to kill me? Who said we're trying to kill you? Well, all he had to do was spend two more sentences, and they wanted to kill him in John chapter 8. But that's the nature of man. So when we look around, and we see true news is sensationalized, way out of proportion, and we see fake news publicized, and we see the world ever learning but ignorant, you know, all, all accumulated knowledge is now at your fingertips in the Internet. But is the world closer to truth? No. The other way, they're farther away from truth. It's incredible. It's astounding. It backs up axiom number 11. Evolution, global warming. Wait a minute. Those two can't exist in the same worldview, can they? Can a person believe in evolution, that everything evolved just right to give us the right temperature for all species? And now it's getting out of control and evolution can no longer keep it at the right temperature. How can you believe evolution and global warming? It's impossible. Transgendering, child training. You know, if God doesn't intervene to save us, we'd be clicking our heels and saluting to whatever lies were presented to us. But thanks be to God, He has saved us. There's a real devil. He hates truth, God, and us. Men chose lies over truth, so we shouldn't be surprised when we see it come to pass that there are so many lies proliferating. And when we look around and see our bodies decaying, and as we get older, each of us decays at a faster rate, it's because we understand the worldview. There isn't any freezing of human bodies and waiting for a cure to have them live for a couple of hundred years. See, we can just weed through all that stuff because we know the truth. We have a worldview that the Lord gave us in the Bible. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. Amen.